You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Some people are afraid to own one rental property for fear of all the headaches and hassles. Well, today's guests have no fear of managing thousands of rental homes. That may sound like an absolute headache to people like you and me, but they say it's all about the systems. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. You've heard the old saying, we're better together. Well, that is definitely the case for Myra and Missy. Together, they are a power team, rock star real estate investors, and have helped thousands of other people build their real estate portfolios. And I'm so happy to have them here on The Real Wealth Show. Myra and Missy, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. It's so good to see you. Thank you. So good to see you. We missed you. I've missed you too. And you you really inspire me because it seems like you're traveling a lot, like every quarter, would you say? At least. Yeah. You've really carved out a life of real wealth. So let's talk about that. Has it always been that way? It has brought me more prosperity than I could ever imagine in my life, but we've built our real estate business to help us do the things that we want to do. For example, as we were rehabbing houses, we learned that if we always used our Visa card from Delta or American Express, that we could save miles. And now after years of saving miles, I can travel anywhere I want to in the world for free. You know, that is just a wonderful hack. I hope that everybody is listening to that. Put everything on your miles credit cards, everything. If you're in property management and you're managing 2,300 families, you know, occasionally someone needs to spend a couple of nights in a hotel because they had a fire or they had a flood or whatever. Um, You put those nights on hotels.com and then your hotel nights are free on your trip too. Oh my gosh. So many, (laughs) so many good things. Okay. Well, we'll talk about your travels for sure, but, um, let's, let's see, who do I want to start with? You're both so interesting. (laughs) You know, I haven't had Myra on, I've had Missy on. So Myra, I'm going to focus on you. You kind of just answered an ad. You didn't know anything about real estate and now you're a boss lady. So let's hear your story. How did that happen? Um, well, let's see. It's a, it's a, Interesting story at best. Uh, I moved to Cincinnati with a daughter who was going to take a stab at elite gymnastics. Um, She's on a full ride scholarship at a college D1 school right now. Um, But when we got here, I was doing um, architecture and interiors back in North Carolina and thought it wouldn't be hard to find a job in Cincinnati. Um, but what I found is that people liked the idea of what I was doing. They didn't necessarily trust that it was going to work out and I wouldn't be long term. So I said, well, Lord, if I'm supposed to be in Cincinnati, you're going to have to send me someone who can think outside the box. And you really <laughs> have to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> because I know you know as well as I do, there's no one who can think outside of a box better than Missy. So that is how we found each other. And, um, it has been amazing ever since. Yeah. Yeah. You got thrown right into the world of real estate kind of when she was at her busiest, maybe, well, maybe not the busiest, but very, very busy. Uh, and now managing how many, uh, properties about 2,300. Yeah. 2,300. Yeah. So when I go ahead, 500, when I started, 
Wow. So tell me a little bit about what things are like in your side of the world, because the the real estate market is changing so rapidly. I really need you to fill me in with boots on the street information because the headlines are usually kind of nationally based and averaged out. And that really does us no good, right? We need to know what's happening in each specific market. So what is happening in Ohio? Well, it's changing. Um, It changed considerably over the last two years because we had, for the first time in my 23-year career, houses selling over our asking prices and multiple offers. And it was kind of crazy for about a year and a half. Uh, Housing market is still on fire here. Uh, We're still selling over ask and maybe not as many multiple offers, but we're still selling above our asking prices. So the market is really still very good. There's limited inventory, which is a problem in every marketplace, I think. And um, we're still selling like crazy and buying. So this is probably shocking news to people who aren't familiar with Ohio and certainly not um, uh, the Cincinnati, Dayton area or Butler County (laughs) for that matter. Uh, Why would there be a shortage of housing in Ohio? Because we don't necessarily see that as an area that's growing. Well, it is growing. And uh, what we learned during COVID is people were staying in place and then families were growing and the building wasn't keeping up with the growing families. So Mm -hmm. we do have a housing shortage here. And I think that's um, why we're still having those multiple offers on properties. And of course, the millennials are out and they're wanting to buy homes now. You know, when you look at the demographics, it it kind of looks like people are really migrating more to the warmer climates. But then I talk to you and as property managers, you have a really good gauge on what's going on and who these people are who are looking for rentals and where they work and their age and so forth. Has that changed? Is it a younger demographic or a different demographic or just more, more people? I think it's just more of them. Our demographic, I think, is getting older, which I found a little shocking because for so long, our tenants were young uh, professionals and were looking to you know stay with us for a year or two and then move on to the next city. And today we're seeing even the older population move in and stay along with the younger population, our turnovers are much lower than they've ever been because people aren't moving. Our local governments have done a really great job too of incentivizing uh, with tax benefits to businesses to relocate to this area. We've got some really um, great Fortune 500 companies that have um, taken over a lot of these counties that we are Um, our product is in. Um, Those same counties have also incentivized us as builders to come in and fill those lots in with new construction. So um, I think that's absolutely helped. But again, we, we cannot keep up with the demand for housing within our market. No. But it's not necessarily millennials, because that's what we keep saying. And that's the story I hear is it's this huge group of millennials forming households. But you're saying it's an older demographic. We're seeing an older demographic move into our area, which is very unusual. You know, you do expect to see the millennials, but we're seeing an older population still renting, which I didn't expect to see. Are you talking about baby boomers, like seniors and retirees or? No, um, late baby boomers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. 50s. Yeah. People in their 50s. Okay. So, so younger one, the younger baby boomer. Yes. Uh, Fascinating. 
One of the things that I've been seeing as a trend is that national builders would go into the growth markets like Atlanta and Dallas and Florida, Phoenix. But in um, you know Butler County, Ohio, maybe you didn't have a lot of national builders. Maybe you didn't have a lot of hedge funds buying up properties. And yet here you are still, you know, with um, with this this housing shortage. Are there national builders in the area? Or- Absolutely, there are. Uh, it's funny though, but a lot of the communities don't offer them the incentives that they offer us as a small builder. Oh, really? Yes. If you well, lucky you. That. Yes, it's been <laughs> really nice. Oh, that's great. Okay, so you're bringing on new supply. Well, that must have come with its own set of challenges of trying to get materials and and labor. How, how has the past year been for you? We've actually exited the new construction market because the, of the cost of materials. We were fortunate that the rise in housing prices kind of kept up with our cost of materials, but then the cost of land became so outrageous, it really just wasn't fun anymore. So we've stopped building new construction right now, at least until the world starts spinning in a normal pace again. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've just put a hold on it, pushed pause. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we also do um, our owners a great service by warehousing almost all of our products. So we really do buy in bulk flooring, um, water heaters, furnaces, air conditioning units. I mean, you name it, we buy in bulk. Um, And that's been hugely helpful for us to continue to control cost um, as much as we can and, um, and be able to get hands on inventory when others were coming up short. So that's probably one of the, the greatest, strangest things that happened during the recession was how materials became, they just vanished. For months, it was dishwashers, and then it was stoves and refrigerators. Today, it takes us at least three months, if not six, to get a window made, which was something we used to be able to get in two weeks. But because of the vinyl costs in shortage, that's difficult now. So it's really kind of COVID has taught us a lot about how to run a good warehouse. And we try to stay in contact with our providers so we know what the next, next shortage is. Yeah, I love, I, I just did a video on this of the importance of uh, warehousing your materials if in order to do a decent bid because builders are terrified or, or contractors, anyone involved in construction is afraid to give a bid because... How could you possibly know what things are going to cost or even if you can get those materials? It's it's unprecedented. I, I don't remember a time in history where we were dealing with these shortages. Do you? No, absolutely not. No. And again, it's it just moves around. It goes from if you start getting refrigerators and appliances back in the stores. And then the next thing happens is you can't get a garage store. <laughs> and then yeah. the month we've we've had window problems for almost a year now. But it's just kind of. It's odd to keep up with. But again, we meet with our Home Depot reps and our Lowe's reps and all of our providers, and they really have a handle on what the next item is. So we'll get our order in early and just warehouse it. You know, I think as investors, we're all feeling the pinch. You know, um, for us, uh, a typical turn pre-COVID was about the cost of one month's rent that our owners could could pretty much bank on I know that when this property goes vacant, I'm in for about one month's rent. And currently today with cost of materials, it's it's more likely to be two months rent. 
for a, for just a basic turn. Um, but again, I think we, because we do cookie cutter, we do one paint, one floor, one cabinet, one countertop. Um, we also save our, our owners money on that turn. If we use one paint, then I don't have to necessarily paint four walls in every room. If we can, we get away with one wall in the bedroom two and three walls in bedroom one. And, you know, let's paint the kitchen and, and we're done. And we bought the painted bulk. So <laughs> it's cheaper. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that, you know, people are maybe staying longer. Uh, so does that kind of help balance out the cash flows if absolutely if they're not they're not leaving as often so there's not as many make readies and yeah so that cash flow is about the same or has you have you seen it dropped uh it's actually done better because there are a lot what? of yeah. i know yes you're the only ones <laughs> But um, we're applying for an employee retention tax credit, and we hadn't dug that deep into it until we had to do our figures, but we're almost equal. We had a couple bad months. We had three bad months in two years uh, of collections, but we started working with our tenants and the government-sponsored programs. So if your tenant had a COVID-related job loss or anything, they could get up to six months of their rent paid for them. So we did all the paperwork and pushed the tenants through the program and collected to date over two and a half million dollars for our owners. Wow. That is, <laughs> so, I love how you fight for, for, uh, for the owners. I, I, you know, one of the things that always, um, you know, touched my heart is that, you know, that the people whose properties you're managing are, are living off of that income. There's so many are retirees and you take that very seriously. Um, you know, let's talk about going back a couple of years, like literally two years ago, when we we didn't know what the world was going to do, and tenants didn't necessarily have to pay. How did you na navigate that? Well, the way everyone else did, we contacted our owners, we had to find out if they had a government sponsored loan or not, because those that paid cash or had a conventional loan didn't have the restrictions that a government sponsored loan had. So by identifying those owners, we then monitored their, monitored their, monitored, sorry, those tents very closely to make sure that we were staying on top of their uh, payment plans. And we do a lot of pay, we have done a lot of payment plans. So many people who would always pay once a month went into bi-weekly and some of them ended up in weekly plans, whether or not they could work or whatever they could do to pay their rent. So we just really worked with our, we stopped all collections during that time. And that was because the courts were closed. They wouldn't allow us to file uh, any kind of garnishments or collections for tenants that weren't paying, much less evict them. So we spent, we took that staff and focused strictly on working with the tenants, working out payment plans, showing them more that who was, we had a, a site on our um, tenants page that showed them who was hiring this week so that they could go get jobs where they could get help with their electric bill, where they could get help with getting their rent paid and really help push them through the system to help the owners. And maybe we, file for unemployment and all. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. absolutely. And we really, we got really intentional about over-communicating. Um, the minute COVID hit, we started with daily webinars and daily Zoom calls with our owners those same Zoom calls with tenants. And, and like Missy said, we 
restructured certain departments within our company to completely focus and you, you can't do this anymore. So now let's do this because this is what our communities need. This is what our owners need. This is how we're going to maintain and manage through this process. Wow. Yeah, it's it's just brilliant. So did you end up having a pretty high collection rate as a result? For on for the current tenants, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were we stayed at pre-COVID levels except for three months. We had three months that we were we under collected by about fifty thousand uh, dollars, but the rest of them were almost equal, which is still. I just looked at those numbers today. I had no idea it had worked out that well, so we were pretty pleased. Yeah, it was a little bit surprising, at least for me, that it seemed like Ohio had really, really tight regulations during the COVID period. There was. Uh, moratoriums on everything. everything. It, seemed, it, it was like uh, you were like a step ahead of California, it seemed like in a lot of ways. So um, are you starting to, I mean, was that a surprise to you? It was very much a surprise. The good news was I have all of you in California telling me what's coming. So we <laughs> ready. <laughs> and literally the weeks before COVID hit, um, one of our, our owners in California says, we can't get toilet paper and we can't get Lysol. And we were on our way to uh, an event with you. So we packed a suitcase of all of those things to bring to her. And literally, that's what we survived on for the first six weeks of COVID, if you can imagine. Oh, Plus, gosh. When um, we were actually in California, as you know, when when the when the world started closing, um, we had sent messages home for them to go shopping so that we would have supplies for our staff and for our office. Wow, because it hadn't hit you yet. You just heard it from us. <laughs> yes, had not hit yet. That and is as restricted as we were in Ohio, our governor was at least good enough to classify our industry as essential. You know, when you maintain and manage properties for 2,300 families, um, he recognized that that's not something you shut down and, and start to work remotely. So um, we were able to keep working. Our contractors had letters in their cars from the attorney so that if they were stopped and pulled over, it said they were identified as essential workers and had every every right to be out and about and coming and going. So wow. um yeah, we we never we never closed. Not one hour. Your your office and all was open? No, no, no. The you got to work from home, but yeah. No, most of, most of us worked in the office. Oh, yeah. they did? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Again, when you restructure, we had um, some folks who um, they couldn't work and, and do what some of the things they were doing. So they came in and we had child care down in the classroom for for people who worked in our office that still needed you know, their preschoolers were, were out of, you know, out of school and, and kids were learning remotely. And so we had classrooms that were set up for childcare and tutors for kids to go online. And, and we never, we never shut down. We never closed. That must've been really bonding for your staff to have your other kids at the office going to school together. It or was, not. Or not. It was a little hectic, but we have a lower level. So <laughs> wow. Amazing. You know what though? It's it's really nice. And and um, you know, our property manager department head has been with Missy for 23 of these almost 24, 25 years. 
And, um, you know, she says, one thing that we absolutely excel at is you give us a crisis and we are absolutely at our best. That's the truth. It is true. I, you know, we've got 12 man, a team of 12 managers that, um, I tell you what you, again, you, you give us a crisis to manage and we are, we are game on. on. Oh, I've got some. Oh, I understand <laughs> mine. <laughs> Let's see how you do. Oh my goodness. So funny. Um, okay. Well now there was a time when it was almost impossible to find inventory for people who wanted to buy rental property, which is kind of new for Ohio, I would think, and not necessarily a place where nothing's for sale. What's it like now? Are, are investors coming in? Are they able to buy anything? They are. Um, and what's really fun is our market is still just as tight as it is everywhere else. But what we've been doing is working with our owners to resell some of their properties to give investors a chance to continue to invest. We, As you said, we have a lot of owners that are are becoming seniors and uh, don't necessarily want to leave rental property to their family because it's more of a hobby for them. So many of them are reselling their homes. So we've started what we call a rental resale program where mm. we're moving some of those properties. Oh, okay. So uh, people who maybe want the cash now, that's, but they like the auctions and the, the like foreclosure, where, where you normally would pick up inventory, are those channels opening up? Absolutely not. Not yet. Not yet. We we've hear we hear rumors that our that our foreclosure um, market is is about to return. I actually had a conversation with an appraiser the other day who said, "I've just gotten my very first um, appraisal order on a foreclosure, and I'd like to think the floodgates are are soon to open. So we'll see. But no, those that that standard." course of of acquisitions still not still not still not there i am people keep saying that you know there's going to be this housing crisis and i'm like where i mean if you're if, if you're in any kind of distress it seems like you would just put a for sale sign out and someone would buy it right you don't need to yes. wait for the bank to take it but you always have those ones that are constant we call them the the d's the death divorce drugs those sort of things that people don't want out of the foreclosures. You know, there was a moratorium until I believe last July that there were no Fannie Mae Freddie Mac foreclosures. So that process just in its normal state takes about a year. And you'll have those people that don't want to resell because of a family member dying or a divorce, but the rest of them, and even with the divorces now, you're right. They throw a sign in the yard and they can sell it very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so I just uh, with the inventory shortages nationwide, I think that that scare tactic of hey, you know, the market's crashing and there's going to be foreclosures. I just think that's not going to prove to be true, which I hope is the case. Nobody wants to see people lose their home. And um, anyway, so uh, let's see what else do we want to talk about here. I know you've been traveling a lot, so let's talk a little bit about first of all how you're able to have such a big business and still travel. 
Well, I think it's the right, we call it the right people on the right seats of the bus. And uh, as Mara was mentioning, our property manager has been with us for 23 years. We have a team of 12 managers that run each department very well, very systematic in everything that we do. And COVID taught us that we could work anywhere with a, with a laptop and a yeah. Zoom call. That's so right. we can travel just about anywhere and still do our jobs, which is really a lot of fun. I know this is going to be such a hard question to answer, but what's been your favorite place to visit? <laughs> I have fallen in love with Spain. Spain. Yeah, yeah I have. I really have. It's, it's almost overtaken Italy for me. Wow. Okay. No. Is it the food or the scenery or what? It's all of it. All of the above. All of the above. Yeah. It's just, it has been remarkable. I yeah. have enjoyed my time in Spain. Yeah, I went to visit uh, my daughter who was over there uh, for school last fall, and um, and I was like, I'm going to treat you. Let's go to the wine country of Spain, and let's go to the nicest winery. And we went and ended up having the most delicious cava, you know, champagne. Mm-hmm. And I, and she said, Mom, this is the most expensive winery here, but I really want a bottle because this is so good. <laughs> I'm like, let's get let's get a couple. Uh, so I just look at that. I'm like, I want, I want this one or the best, whatever it is. I want the best that you have. And then she's like the best. Okay. And takes me over to the little cabinet and unlocks it. And here you go. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for, well, you know, a shocker. It's like, okay, it's 25 Euro. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> Just, just uh, incredible prices, incredible food. Uh, oh, very exciting. Well, I hope I get to meet you on the road somewhere. Um, but you know, you have some really great hacks in all things in <laughs> running a business, buying property, renovating property. Um, what, what's one of your hacks for being able to travel, uh, pretty affordably? I travel for free. Ah, even better. Enterprise. <laughs> so I became a points I started hoarding mileage and points. And what I found was it's amazing what you can pay for on your points credit card. Your Delta American Express will take me around the world. So I I run my business on a credit card. We pay our bills weekly and I have millions of miles where we can travel for free. So if you're in business, I'm even teaching my nieces and nephews to start a credit card and pay it every Friday. So you never pay interest, but you get all those free miles and free hotel rooms. Yeah, it's the best. Um, all right. And and speaking of that, and I think you already mentioned it, but once again, like what are the materials that you use over and over again in every single rental property that just keep things, keep the maintenance pretty low because it's just the same product and you, you have it to replace? Well, flooring is probably the most expensive one that we save money on because we wear, we buy it in bulk by the truckload and then warehouse it. So our owners are seeing at least a dollar of board foot savings on the cost of that. So we always use the same product. Um, I learned that many of our contractors are colorblind, so we only let them use one color of paint. <laughs> pulled up to a house and I'd ask my contractor to paint the door yellow thinking, 
like a, a light chiffon yellow and he painted it school bus yellow. Oh, he went back the next day and changed the color after we were able to select one. But uh, we learned that we had less mistakes and we could save more money if we just standardized everything. Um, paint on the walls, flooring, faucets, anything that, that can break easily. We we warehouse and we use the same product, um, even down to the uh, supply lines for the plumbing. We have a specific brand that we use because we know it doesn't break as often as the other ones do. That and we really do the research on the products that we use. The the Sherwin-Williams developed uh, a product line specifically for us here um, that wears better than what you're going to buy when you go and, and purchase a gallon of paint off the Sherwin-Williams shelf. Um, we do the same thing with the flooring. It's a commercial grade flooring. So um, we're not, we buy in bulk and that's where we're saving, but we're absolutely not skimping on the product line that we're using within the properties. We say around here that a tenant can tear up a, a, a property with a or they could tear up a bowling ball with a toothpick. So <laughs> we um, we really we we prepare the home with with just that kind of mindset. So when you say that Sherman Williams has a special paint for you, are you saying for Ohio or just for you two? <laughs> yep. Well, we work with them on the development because um, of the product line, but it's it's a pro line for landlords specifically. Okay. I wasn't sure if it had something to do with weather, if it's no. no. Okay. But it's an interesting concept that, you know, probably certain products do better um, with different kinds of weather. What I think a lot of people who aren't from areas that are cold uh, in the winter or that have snow, they get scared, uh, you know, that the property is going to have more issues. Is that, do you find that to be true? Are there certain things that you have problems with because of the cold? Really, the only thing you have to really work with is water and getting it away from the property. So we spend a lot of time putting on gutter extensions and cleaning gutters to make sure the water moves away from the property. And that's really the only difference. It's not any different than the sun in Arizona. You have a product, you put your air conditioners on roofs and you do things a little bit differently to prepare for it. But that's really all we do. Okay. Well, and I think... uh... I get a lot of those questions um, with onboarding new investors, new to this area, new to the Midwest. And I think I have to remind them geographically where we are because yes, we do get snow, but we're not talking about four feet of snow and we're not talking about a roof with thousands of pounds of, of water weight on it over the winter. You know, here in Southern Ohio, we'll get, anywhere from two to six inches of snow and 48 hours later, it's like it never happened. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Do yeah. you have to worry about freezing pipes? No, because really the, the homes are prepared properly. I mean, you, you don't put plumbing in outside walls in areas that it snows quite often so that you're not, you don't have to worry with those things. Okay. Okay. No, and we do. We also, um, again, just give us a crisis and everybody hits the ground running. So, <laughs> you know, if we have a if we have a, a week of like, let's say it's extreme cold here, which we don't really get very much of, but we will have um, a harsh week or two in the winter. And um, again, we mobilize the team so that properties that are vacant 
if there are any vacant properties, those are those are checked daily um, by anyone and everyone who's available to to go and check those properties. Because, again, you know, everybody here, I can honestly say our team goes at this um, and treats our owners and their money and their resources as if it were their own. Um, so, you know, you, we do the things that you would want someone to do for you. Um, so if that's drive by the house and check it once a day um, during a harsh snap in the winter, then that's what we're going to do. So one last question, Myra, you have been able to keep your accent. Missy, <laughs> where's the Southern girl? Where'd she go? <laughs> Now, you know what? It's kind of funny you say that because, and I'm being honest with you, I call friends back home and here's what I get. Oh my God, you don't even sound like yourself anymore. <laughs> I guess you have to give Missy a glass of wine and then the Southern country. It returns. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you know, if, if anybody wants to find out more about your property management or uh, the, the properties that you have available for investors, they can go to realwealth.com. Uh, you're on the drop down under. Uh, let's see, investments, I believe, and or and the invest tab, and they all your information is there, all the data on on the area. But just real quick, who are some of the major employers in Ohio? Uh, General Electric has a large facility. Scripps Howard Broadcasting is in Cincinnati. They do the HGTVs, all those series. Um, we have a lot of hospital complexes. We're very famous for those, both in Cincinnati and in Dayton. Um, Dayton is home to the largest collector of information in the world, which is LexisNexis. You don't know them, but they'll know you. Procter um, <laughs> and Gamble Absolutely. is headquartered here in Cincinnati, and they have multiple campuses. And many of those around where we are some of our favorite neighborhoods, of course. Um, Wright Patterson has an Air Force base in just north of Dayton. Um, those make for great tenants. Yes, they do. And finally, the Kroger Company, which is, um, I think they're Ralph's in California. Mm. And they've had their largest growth in their entire history because they've added the click listing and the grocery deliveries. And of course, people hoarded food during COVID. So they're one of our fastest growing companies in our area right now. Yeah, food food stocks are a great stock to invest in right now. And of course, people are still worried that there will be food shortages. Uh, so I can see where, uh, you know, they would be growing, trying to keep up with demand. All right. Well, always a pleasure to see you. Thank you so much for coming on to The Real Wealth Show. I hope to see you in Spain. Yes, <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, you can go to realwealthshow.com to find out all the information on Myra and Missy and how you can reach them, background on their company and their marketplace. Again, that's realwealthshow.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.